God bless your family. So good to have you come on in tonight as we study the word together. I love you with the love of the Lord. And I thank God for you tuning in tonight for this wonderful opportunity to study God's word. Thank God for these men and women of God who are here working with us tonight as we seek to bring you worship again in our cyber sanctuary. Thank God for this medium, this ability to come into your home on your job, in your car, wherever you are, to meet you with this word from the Lord. Get your Bible, get your PDA, get whatever you have, get it in front of you, and let's study the word together. I want to pray with you. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for this. We call you Abba, our Father. We thank you for who you are and for all you've done. ask that you bless us, speak to us afresh, and grant that we hear you in this place in our places, in our domiciles, and wherever we are, and wherever we be doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been dealing with, for the last seven weeks, this is the eighth week now, of the quiet mind for troubled times. The quiet mind for troubled times. want to kind of cap, recap some of it and bring it together and take us one more step further into this. Um, if you've been following along, you, you know we've been on a journey. And I want to just, again, just lift up that uh, beginning portion of that wonderful pastoral scripture in Psalm 46, verse 10. And it just says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God quiet mind for troubled times. I want to suggest to you tonight that one of the things that you have an advantage over others who are seeking for peace right now as a born-again believer, you have an advantage in that you have this relationship with God that you come into by receiving the Lord as your Savior. And as because of that, you now have access to all the good that God has and all the blessings that God can give. And I think that you need to realize that during this season now, I'm praying that God will help you to reorient your way of processing, your way of thinking. I'm praying God gives you a reorientation to how you ought to work through the issues of life and the vicissitudes of life as life presents them to you. And, and I, I'm praying that in that reorientation that you will recognize that total transformation inside of every born-again believer is the goal. Total transformation inside of every born-again believer is the goal. There's something that happens when you are transformed. And God wants to transform you and transform you into his image, into his likeness, into his very being. He wants to transform you. Uh, doesn't mean that struggle won't happen. On, on Sunday, we dealt with that story of Hannah's prayer. And Hannah between the time that she finishes her prayer, has her encounter with the high priest, there's a bliss that comes over her as a result of prayer. 
before the miracle ever happens, she has a bliss. Now, we know her full story, which means that that story ends up in her being able to give birth to Samuel. But the same thing happens in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes before God in prayer, pours out his soul, pours it out, uh, weeping before God, uh, sweat, as the Bible describes it, falling off him like rivulets of blood. And he's there. They ask him of, of his situation. He says, my soul is troubled and anguished. He, he's there making a soul plea before God. Until finally the resolution. Not my will, but thy will be done. I want to go back to that before I close. Not my will, but thine be done. And in that, that moment, before all of the earth is reshaped by what will happen next, in that moment, he gets his disciples, get up, I know you've been sleeping, you couldn't tarry, get up, let's go. We're going now, we're going. He is completely resolved. No more need for tears, no more need for crying, no more need for soul ache. I know what I must do, and I know where God is in the matter. God is with me. I know what I must do. I, I believe that prayer has the ability to, to not only get things done, but bring the praying person into an alignment in their body, soul, and spirit that so connects them with the divinity of God that a peace rests on them. The apostle says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, which means if, if we want to be really crude with it, we could almost say it's an irrational peace. Because the rational mind, the conscious mind, would not reach that point of peace. And this is something every believer can have. Right now, in this situation, before any kind of a curative measure is ever put in place, before there's ever any inoculation from the disease, we can have complete peace. I, I, I said today in the text message, I said that you don't have to catch the virus to be affected because all of us are affected by the dis-ease of mind that comes with having to deal with loved ones and friends and worry and woe. That comes along with this moment. I, we all deal with it. It, it, is, it is troublesome. So what can we do? I want to suggest. I've got four things I want to lay out tonight. The first of which is, I, is a reminder. If you're a believer. You have had a spiritual awakening. 
every believer, number one, has had a spiritual awakening. Your spirit, your, your spirit was dead. It was away from God, disconnected from God. But when you gave your life to God, your spirit had a spiritual awakening. And you became new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 in the New King James Version says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, and let me add she, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You've had a spiritual awakening. Now, now, what does that mean for us? Let's look at it in the Amplified real quick. And the Amplified, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 in the Amplified, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he or she is a new creation, reborn, and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Spiritual awakening brings a new life. We, we have a spiritual awakening that has brought us new life. We are in that life. We have been born again. We're in that life. I, I, I depicted this holistic self, uh, and, and, and it, you, you need to see it again. The holistic self is body, soul, and spirit coming together. Body, soul, and spirit. And in the image of body, it's this outer shell, this, this skin we live in. Our soul is that mind consciousness of, of intellect, of will. It, 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 is, it is that thing that we use to be in connection with other people. And the spirit is that God part of me. My spirit is what it was reborn. It's what was renewed when I got saved. Notice, lead the depiction for a moment. Notice my spirit. I've, I've, I've separated it from the mind only to make this depiction clear. Not that this is where things are located, but my spirit is one place. My mind and soul, and if you depict it in yellow, is, is up top. I did that intentionally because uh, you got to understand something. The new part of me was not my soul. It was my spirit. The newness in me was not my body. It was my spirit. My spirit was renewed. Now, I'm going to mess with somebody right now. I know we sing... I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Uh, but I need to tell you something. Those are the same hands you had 
when you got saved. Those are the same feet. Those the same body. Let, let me do it another way. You're getting saved and your spiritual awakening did not change your body. You know, if you, if you came to church that Sunday and you were obese and you gave your life to Christ, you left church renewed, but you were still obese. Uh, if, you came, if you came in with a limp, unless there was a divine miracle, you left with a limp. The body did not get renewed. The spirit did. By the same token, your, your soul didn't get renewed. That's why if you came in there, you were a rude person. You just left out a renewed, rude person. If you came and you were loquacious and you talked too much, and over-talked other people and let nobody get in a word edgewise, you left the worship experience with a renewed spirit, but you were still suffering from the gift of verbosity. You were still over-talking. You still had that. Because your soul didn't get renewed. Your, your inner person, your spirit, was what was renewed. And in truth, that explains why you still have some personality traits that those that love you keep trying to, to share with you are difficult for them to exist with. They, they're, they're, they're struggling coexisting with what you call your personality. They're struggling with you. You, you, you still too much. You still over the top. And then you want to say, this is just who I am. The devil is a liar. You can be better. You don't have to be that way. I know I'm, 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 I'm bobbing somebody right now. But before you lose me here, hold on to this. Your renewed spirit puts you in position to now hear the voice of God and to be led by the spirit of God and to know the works of God and the will of God and the way of God. Your renewed spirit has aligned you back in right relationship with God. God has ripped from you that stony heart and given you a heart of flesh. Put your spirit back in alignment with him. Eh? That's important. But if your soul didn't get saved and it didn't get renewed, then what I have to do post my awakening is I have to allow God to work with me for total transformation so that the good spirit in me can be displayed externally. See, lest you get discouraged because you still have some things that you used to do 
that you wish you didn't do or some things that you're currently doing that you know you want to surrender to God lest you get discouraged about it and think you're on your way to hell you're not you're not going to hell because of it that that's that, get that out that's not an issue he's already saved you but the quality of your life gets diminished by the foolishness that you allow to go on in your soul. The quality of your life changes in ways that you do not really wish to know about. I, I, the second thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk through the text. I'm walking through the text. Is what I call spiritual attunement. Because if I have, and, and don't go too far with attunement, just stay with that one phrase, that is the, the tuning, the lining, the understanding, the, the getting on the same page as in music note. I, 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 I need spiritual attunement because what it means is that if I have been self-directed my entire life, I need to now become attuned to something other than the self. If I've been telling myself what to do, I've been, been running my life, why in the world would I want someone else to give me some direction? I, I've been doing pretty good. I made it this far. Let, let, me, let me say this to you. Your whole life, since you were cognitively aware, you have lived your life based on doing what you want it. it. You learn how to assert yourself. Even as a child, you cried when you were hungry. You, you whimpered when you wanted to be held. You reached your hand up to mama to grab you. It was all what you knew out of your soulish mind. It was your consciousness that was directing itself, directed your whole life. You've been going on that your whole life. I, I have, you have always been dealing with it and so much so that you understand the signals from it. You, you're clear about those signals. You know when your body it speaks to you, it, it gets chilly. You know you're cold. Go through your mind. Mind says, oh, we cold. Let's get a coat. Oh, we cold. Turn the heat up. You've gotten used to the signals. You put your hand on something hot. Say, whoop, hot. You did that as a child. Later on, you, you started to look at it. You could see the, the redness of the flames. Oh, no, no, that hot right there. You need to touch it with your senses because you had already been given the experiential knowledge and recognized flame or redness or heat, and you knew that that and you didn't need that anymore because you got attuned to how this flesh works. Flesh been guiding you your whole life. Tells you when you're hungry. Tells you when you're tired. Matter of fact, sometimes even when you want to stay up, it will it will go to sleep before you desire it to. It just shuts down. You're used to getting the signals there. But the renewed mind has to learn how to get signal from somewhere else. How to let the ego go and try to let God in. You see, renewing the mind, and I say, I use mind and soul interchangeably, must be the preoccupation of the mind-soul. 
or the soulish mind will function out of what it has been and is being exposed to. There, there it is right there. Renewing the mind must be the preoccupation of the soul. Or the soul will function out of what it has been or is currently being exposed to. And in truth, that's what some of us are doing right now. We're functioning out of our fleshy mind. And that's why we get in trouble. So we get, we get all hyped up. We get emotional. Yeah, we get emotional and we let our emotions run amok and, and they drive us over here and we get in this mess over here, drive us over here. We fall in love 10 minutes over there and we fall out of love 15 minutes later. We, we think we know what we want because we know what's driving us. Because we have depended on those emotions. We, we've gotten used to it now. And in truth, I want to put back for you again, body, soul, spirit. Remember, your body has been taking its clues from the five senses. Hearing, taste, smell, sight, touch. And, and I ought to tell you this, it's taking its clues from the five senses and those pieces of information that the body gets are passed to the soul. And the soul sometimes picks up on fetishes within those pieces and things that it likes and, and it begins to create images of what excites it, what turns it off, what makes it happy, makes it not, and, and it, it gets to going. The soul becomes the center because it is the place of your emotions, your will, your intellect, your consciousness. It's the filter. It, it makes the decision. So, so now, now my soul has also has this thing that is attached to it, not the soul itself, but it is the divine presence of God, my spirit. In your case, my renewed spirit. The renewed spirit. So now I've got my fleshy, carnal soul making decisions that I never consult my renewed spirit about. So my fleshy, carnal soul is making decisions without ever consulting the spirit of God that's alive in me. And it's making decisions all on its own. It's just a la di da di da di da I'm doing my thing. What a shame that we have allowed our carnalness, our fleshiness, to be the navigator of our lives. Now, now uh, please, please realize that carnality is not necessarily sin. There are a lot of things that are carnal that are not sin. But we have to be careful not to let our carnal mind control our lives. We're greater than this. We're better than this. So if information is flowing in from my body, from my senses, and information is flowing in from my spirit, I have a greater chance, in the previous illustration, you don't have to put it back up, I have a greater chance of hearing 
and interpreting the information from my body than I do from my spirit because I really don't have a relationship with my spirit or with God that way. So it's easier for me to get the signals from my body because I've been living in this body my whole life. My body and I, we've become comfortable with one another. We, we handling our business. And now all of a sudden I got this renewed spirit that's trying to speak to me. And I don't know what it's talking about. It's trying to say no when, when my soul and body done already given the yes. I, it's saying no when I know I've, I've already, my appetite is wet. I know what, that's it. But my spirit is trying to say, be still, that's not. But my soul is saying, this is what we used to do. We think about it. We got the opportunity. The blessings, wait a minute. But you just said you had a renewed spirit. You see, we need to get to the place where we learn what God wants from us through a word, through his will, through his whisper, and through his way. We need to get to the place that we know what God wants from us. The word, will, whisper, and way. I said whisper instead of, of God's voice because, you know, if you're looking for God to give you one of those uh, moments where he hollers at you because you're about to kill the lamb, kill the son instead of the lamb, and, and holler out, hold your hand over the thicket is a, that's not going to happen. It, you may have once in a lifetime a shout from God telling you what to do or what not to do. Maybe. You know, God works in a still small voice, in a whisper, with an impression in your spirit. And, and I'm, I'm going to mess somebody up. I want you to take a minute to think of how many times you did something and you were making a decision to do something and you had prayed about it and you had a strong impression that the answer was no, but you went ahead of it. You got to do this for yourself. How many times when you knew within your spirit, now, your inner innermost, that something was out of order, but instead of pulling back, you press forward in your soulish carnality and did it only to later on sit back and say, I knew better than that. I knew better than that. You see, if you're waiting on God to holler at you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You need work on transformation. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, um, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He said be transformed. And that, that, that is, and progressively change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. Wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. Let me do it again. He says you need to be transformed as you mature spiritually. The Amplified Version says it that way. Transform as you mature spiritually. Let me put a pause here. You mean some of the folks that are really mean still and been saved for years are still saved? Yes, I do. You mean some of the folks that are still cutting the food are still, are, are still saved? Yes, I do. You mean some of the folks I know that are doing some stuff that I know that I know and they're still saved? Yes, I do. You mean that person that did the two snaps and a circle and wanted to read me is still, yes, I do. You know what the problem is? Their salvation is not the problem. Their spirit is fine. They're out of contact with their spirit. And therefore, they have remained immature. And there are a whole lot of grown Christians, physically in stature and chronologically in age, that are still drinking milk instead of being able to chew some meat. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated in your life. folk walking around thinking that they all that because they can shout and speak in tongues. I don't care how many tongues you speak in. If you can't speak to your neighbor, you're still spiritually immature. I don't care if you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. If you still can't, if you're still walking around racist, sexist, homophobic, you're immature. Grow up! You still harboring around unforgiveness over stuff that happened 30 years ago. You are spiritually immature. That's what it is. You're mad at me if you want to. I don't know. I can't talk to that one because you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't know what they did to me, and I really don't care. Grow up! You're harboring stuff in your spirit that will not help you in this life or in the life to come. And you are surrendering your peace to hold on to some foolishness? Well, I can't forgive them. I, you just don't understand. No, you don't understand that you are stunting your growth. I think, I know, that at some point, every believer has got to mature and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
See, Ephesians 4 tells you that you got to be careful not to walk in the futility of your mind and not to have your understanding darkened. It, it just goes on. It, it, it just really feeds into some things. But then it says, look here, verse 22 says, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Preach, bros. Here, here a couple of operational words you need to get. He says, you put off. You put on. Come here, karate kid. Wax on, wax off. You do it. See, you tell me, I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because, see, there's stuff you're supposed to do. And I want to tell you by the time I get to the end how you're going to access the Spirit of God in you so that you can do what you're supposed to do and take authority in you for the world. Okay. So I want to suggest then that you shift then from this attunement into an awareness or a, 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 a kind of attentiveness. So once, I, once I'm able to get where I know where God's voice is and I know God's movement in my life, that I begin to get to direct my attention to it begin to become attentive to it to what God is doing I'm uh, let, let, me, let me go to Romans chapter 8 I don't have time I'm, I'm, I'm running out so I gotta hustle Romans chapter 8 and let's drop down to verse 4 I'm gonna read 4 through 8 real quick and I'm reading in the Amplified Bible just for brevity's sake so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh. Look at somebody. You ought to let them know online. Tell them, this is guided by worldliness or our sinful nature. You ought to tell somebody, not me. No more. No more. No more. No more. But we live our lives in the ways of the Spirit. I'm living this life just to live again. I'm living it by the ways of the Spirit. That, that's a different way. I'm guided by His power. Guided by His power. Not my power, His power. But what, what do you want to do? For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body, but those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will, and His purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death both now and forever because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is what? Life and peace that is the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. You want life and peace? 
You want the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God now and forever? You need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Let me tell you again. There's a path to inner peace. There's a path to inner peace. I put this before you a couple weeks ago. This is a beautiful rendition my baby girl put together. It, it, It moves out of those simple transactional prayers into what we have been calling transformational or spiritual life. Moving forward up towards the thronal inner life. And you want to get to where you have a great inner life which transforms your spirit life and that means also your soulish life so that your active life you don't even need to ask to pray about it because God's going to meet every need you already have God's going to bless you in ways that you ought to have okay this is going to mess somebody up and I got a few more minutes to mess someone up I'm going to really mess you up right here The last thing is, what has to happen is, you have to develop and you should get to the place with enough time with God to get a spiritual attitude. There's a spiritual attitude that you want to have in God. A spiritual attitude. Okay. Y'all think I'm kidding. I ain't playing with you today. Come on. Galatians chapter 5. List out what it means to walk in the spirit. And verse 16 says, If you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is Galatians 5. Now, I'm not even going to go through all those things you won't do. But suffice it to say, they're everything you really don't want to do. Drop past that. Read that on your own. Drop down to verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, wait a minute, if your spirit is active and in control, your spirit will emanate certain things into the earth realm, which will also be a sign of your spiritual maturity. So your spirit coming out of the life guided by the spirit will be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Hold up. Self-control. Against such, you don't need a law. And those who are a Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Ooh, I feel like preaching in here tonight. Let me go here. I'm going to put back up this illustration one more time. This one of daily life, spiritual life, peace and chaos. Go with me real quick. My daily life is filled with what? Ordinary thoughts. It's filled with chatter. Filled with chaos. Community. Crisis. um, 
all kinds of things, and even sometimes some calm. My spiritual life is made up of prayer time and, and, and some things that I get from God, both corporately and individually. So my, my spiritual life, it, it, to develop my spiritual life, I spend time in prayer. I spend time in meditation. I spend time singing. Or for those of you that can't sing, don't hurt us. Just put on good music. Let somebody else sing for you. Listen, I, the scripture and testimony, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. So those things feed my spiritual life. What happens then is that I need to get to the place that if I get my spiritual life fed that way, I can get into a spiritual place of peace in the midst of the chaos. That I can begin to block out everything around me so that I can develop a deeper inner life. And I want a deeper inner life. I want a deeper inner life. I want a life that is filled with the very presence of the living God. Listen, saints. The fruit of the Spirit is not aspirational or learn practice. Rather, they are the outgrowth, the result of time in the presence of God. Okay. It's important you get this. You know, sometimes people are trying to be what they're not. So they're trying to be nice, but that's not really who they are. And you can tell when someone is genuinely nice and when someone's just doing nice things. You can tell when someone is genuinely loving when someone's just doing a loving thing. The fruit of the Spirit should not just be something we try to practice. It should be something that comes out of a life of depth in prayer before God and in the presence of God that the growth from it, from that time there, will be demonstrated this way. Cranky, always angry, tense, moody, mad without a cause, I'm going to ask you one simple question. How's your prayer life? That's all. You, you tell me. You tell me. Because some of your moods, some of your spirit stuff is coming as a result of an immature prayer life. Robert Browning made a wonderful quote and it says this. There is an inmost center in us all where truth abides in fullness and to know rather consists in opening out a way where the imprisoned splendor may escape then an effecting entry for a light supposed to be without. <sighs> Hold that for a moment. Somebody might get this. What Browning is saying is the light is not outside, it's in. And the, the splendor of that light within needs to be let out. 
instead of looking for light to shine in. And that light ought to be seen by the world through you. And that comes with a deeper inner life. I, I close tonight with this. I'm, I've got a few minutes to make these last few points. I, I want to make this last, the last major topic, and then I'm going to sub underneath it to close for this evening. You get now to the fourth issue that comes up in this study tonight, and that is the issue of spiritual answers. I, I cannot say it enough that answers are not the requisite of prayer. They're not, they're not even the necessity of prayer. They're not what they're not what you even really need all the time. Yeah, there's sometimes when you've got to have an answer, you've got to know, do I take this job or not, or do I marry or not? What yeah, there are answers that you need in life. But many times in life, we are not in need of answers as much as we are in need of being in the presence of God so that our lived days can be joyous and peaceful in the midst of the world. That's what we really need. And I suggested that, that, that we get to the place where we realize that our temporal senses are informing our, our body and our transformed spirit wants to inform, the, wants to inform our conscious mind. And, and, and since our temporal senses and our transformed spirit are both trying to inform the conscious mind, what I've got to get to the place to know is that the loudest or dominant voice controls the body. The loudest or dominant voice controls the body. Right now, it is the body's senses that are controlling your body. So the only way to have the voice of God more clear to you or to have the presence of God more visible in your daily life or to have the peace of God surrounding you consistently is to spend time with God. I do believe my Catholic brothers and sisters and the contemplative prayer tradition have this right when they say that we must learn to let go. We should learn to, to just let go. That prayer is letting go. Wait a minute. Wherever you are, all over your, your, at your homes, wherever you are, I want you to just open your hands up. Take your hands and open them up and let go. Whew. I'm all my cares, all my issues, I'm just going to let go. Je Jesus did it best. I, I, When I came into this understanding, it blew my mind because he, he was the epitome of the letting go of real prayer. In the garden, and before he entered the earth realm. This is important here. He is the epitome of total surrender, the will and disposition to let God be in control. We're not, we, when, we, when we attempt to be before God, I, I told you I like my mother's expression, to be before the Lord. When we attempt to be before the Lord, we're not in the process of 
thinking of what to pray for. We're going to learn the skill of letting go so that God can be God. We're going to get to the place where we're going to simply be returning to God. We're going to be consenting that 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 your presence and actions of God are the only ones that matter. Not my will, your will be done. I let go of my thoughts. I make space for God to be in my place, in my spirit. And I'm just going to be still before God and say, have your way. That's it. Have thine own way, Lord. Thou art the potter. You could, you could, you could just play that for me. I am. Mold me and make me after Thy will. While I am waiting. Yielded. I, I want to let go of my thoughts and make space for the divine presence within me to be perceived. I want to let go of my thoughts so the divine presence within me can be perceived. I want to be still long enough that I can be in God's presence and say and just allow God to be God to me if I'm still enough if I'm still long enough if I can spend that time consenting to God to be present with me it will allow me to be able to be compassionately present within life itself I will be different when I come out. I, I will be one who can who will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. If I can get to the place where my mind is reoriented, that all of the cankering cares of this life are removed from me. And, and, and when I come back from my moment before the Lord, that even when I see life at its worst, I'm not impressed by it. I'm not moved by it because I know God is still God. Cankering cares, those disease cares, those sick cares, those rough cares, those cares of life don't impress me because I've been before God. I can live my life unmoved by the turmoil that is pandemic. I, I can live my life in the practice of a patience that will show up in a peace. I can live my life so aware of God and God's presence that I'm unmoved by the works that feel like they come from darkness. Someone will ask me, 
How does prayer do this? I will tell you, it is a mystery. It's mysterious what prayer does. It is mysterious what it did for Hannah and even what it did for Jesus. It's mysterious what prayer does in healing or in the peace about healing. It's mysterious that the Apostle Paul can pray for someone who falls out at a worship service, but he can't pray to get his thorn out of his flesh. It's mysterious that somebody might be gifted in one area and not in another. I don't know. But what it helps him, and when I pray, Paul said, I prayed about my thorn in the flesh. And he said, and I went before God diligently interceding. And all God said was, my grace is sufficient for thee. And as only Paul can say, it was enough. It is enough. Prayer settles me down, settles down my, my, my longings and my trouble. It settles me down. I, I, I'm, I'm going to make myself available to God. The Greek word kenosis might not be known to you, but kenosis is self-emptying it's letting go and, and I want to tell somebody this is a kenosis moment k-e-n-o-s-i-s kenosis this is a kenosis moment of a letting go it, it, is, it is that I'm not going to assert my right to hold on to it I'm going to be humble enough and have the freedom enough not to cling to it. I'm going to let it go. It's the act of emptying, the pouring out. It is that becoming entirely receptive to the will of God. That, that's the kind of Christ humility. That's, that's the Christ humility, Philippians chapter 2. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm closing, I'm closing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Blows my mind. When you read it in the Revised Standard Version, it just mess with your head here. Because here's what he says. Well, verse 5 killed me. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. He said, you have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. You have it among yourselves. I, I want you, Shiloh family, I want you to have this mind among yourselves. Believers, have this mind among yourselves. Wherever you come from, whatever church, whatever reformation, have this mind among yourselves. Verse 6 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he, kenosis, emptied himself. He emptied himself. Lord Jesus. He emptied. I, I could have stayed next to God and had equality with God, but instead, 
in order to do God's will, I'll empty myself. I'll let go. At some point, you need to pray. Just let go. And yes, let God have his way. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Ultimately, this is the way to just be.